Do you ever ask yourself this question? Why is this happening to me? Why am I having to go through all this? When we're going through difficulty in our life, we want to know where did this come from? Why is it happening? And why does it have to be happening to me? Especially many times we say, why does it have to be happening to me right now? And we often find ourselves kind of bowing up to the problems that we have in life. We're surprised when they happen. We wonder what good purpose they could have in our lives. And we honestly just want to get rid of them. Amen? We just want to be done with the issues that we're facing. But tonight in our series, Hope in the Midst of Hardship, we're going to turn to God's Word in 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 19. And we're going to study tonight where God encourages us, He challenges us to stop fighting our problems. Now, I want to be very clear as we talk about that tonight. That is not to say that we should not try to end them if we can. Amen? I'm not a glutton for punishment. Amen? If I can do something to make it come to an end, I'm going to do something about it. If I can ask God to help me to alleviate that pressure or to take something off of me, the Bible says sometimes you have not. Why? Because you ask not. Well, I don't want to be guilty of not asking. Amen? So I'm going to ask him, Lord, would you please take this away? But ultimately, sometimes it's obvious that this is just something that unless God does something different, unless God changes something, this is something that I'm just going to have to go through. And my challenge for us tonight from God's Word is that when we find ourselves in those situations, when we have something that just looks like, you know what, I'm just going to have to go through this, that we would think to ourselves, maybe we should not fight those things as much as we usually do. And here's what God's Word says about that in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exultation." If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be, what, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls, amen, to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Let's talk about tonight that God says to us, I want you to stop fighting your problems. And first of all, he says in verse 12, don't be so surprised by the problems that you face in your life. You know, there are many things in life that shake us up that really God's already told us were going to happen. And, and sometimes if we would just read His Word and we would heed His Word, we wouldn't be caught so off, so off guard. Peter starts off this section with, with, the, with the, the phrase, he says, as he's talking to them, he calls them beloved. I think it's great that as he's going to kind of pastor them on some difficult things in his life, he doesn't want to give them the impression that, first of all, he doesn't understand the hurtful things they're going through, or that he doesn't care about those things, or that he thinks that it should be so easy for them. But I think what Peter's saying is as he begins to challenge them about some very difficult things in their lives, he's trying to be very gentle as he's giving them some strong instruction. 
And so Peter says, he says, beloved, and he says, I realize that, that there's this fiery trial. There's something that's like it. Literally, it's, talking, it's like fire in your life. It's something that's burning in your life. And it's a trial. It's a test. It's something that really pushes you. That's something that really tries you and challenges you. So Peter's saying, listen, I realize that you've got some things that are very, very difficult that you're facing. By the way, I think that's a great approach for all of us who lead other people. If you're a boss, or if you're a teacher, or if you're a parent, or you're in charge of other people, you know, the Bible seems to indicate to us that if, you're, if you have a leadership role like Peter, don't be afraid to do what's right. Don't be afraid to give leadership, but do it with what? With gentleness, with tenderness. Write down Galatians 6, verse 1. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 25, go back and look at those verses. The emphasis in those verses is to help other people in their walk with God, in their relationship with God. But as you do that, to do that with gentleness. So I think it's great that Peter starts that off with that, that sweet tenderness. He says, beloved. And then he begins to give that instruction. He says, I understand that you've got some fire that is trying you in your life. But then he gets into the instruction that we want to focus on tonight. He says, I know those things are hard, but do not be surprised by them. And then he adds something else. He says, as though they were something strange that was happening in your life. Now, that word surprise and that word strange, they're actually a different form. One of them's a verb and one of them's, uh, what would it be, a noun or an adjective? I don't remember which it is. One, but one of, them's, one of them's a verb. I think the other one's a noun. But they're both different forms of the same root word. And that root word is referring to foreign things. It's referring to strangers that come into our life. Okay, when you have a stranger come into your life, you're surprised, aren't you? You're taken back. If you go home tonight and you kind of get settled in and, and you relax and you put on your PJs and you're getting ready for bed and the kids are getting ready for bed and somebody comes knocking on the door and you open the door and it's dark outside and you don't recognize somebody and, and they look a little bit, you know, you're not sure who they are or what they're there for, that you get a little bit caught off guard, don't you? Your heart starts beating a little fast. You get a little bit nervous. You're kind of like, okay, what's going on here, right? The Bible says don't be like that when things come into your life. He says don't do that with your problems. You shouldn't be so surprised by the challenges that you're facing in life as though something foreign or, or something strange is happening. Let me give you several reasons why I think we do react that way, though. First of all, we have unrealistic expectations. Why, when things happen in our life that are uncomfortable, that are challenging for us, why is it that that feels so strange, that feels so far, and we get kind of, actually the word that's used there can be translated, we're shocked by that. Why are we so shocked by that? First of all, we have unrealistic expectations. Write that down. We have in our mind that nothing bad should ever happen to us. Don't we think that way? Don't we commonly hear people say, is it not true? When something bad happens to someone, don't you commonly hear people say, I've heard of this happening to others, but I what? I never thought that it would happen to me. You hear that over and over again. And then especially when we give our lives to the Lord, we get this idea that we're exempt from problems. We're going to talk about that more in just a minute. And certainly God blesses us. Amen? How about speaking up tonight? Has God blessed your life? Absolutely, He blesses us. He saves us. He rescues us from many things that would have... Now listen, God saves us from many things that would have unnecessarily hurt us or come into our lives as a consequence of us not following Him. He has rescued us from many of those things, right? 
But even the most godly people in the world, the ones who are walking the most closely with Christ, even those people suffer and face difficulty. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, in the world you will face tribulation. You will have hardship. It's just a, it's just a done deal. He's not, he hasn't pulled any punches about that. It is going to be, to some extent, difficult in this life. In fact, a, a verse in Romans 8, verses 22 through... Um, through 33 or, or verses 22 and 23 he says uh, in verse 23 he says not only this but also we ourselves he's talking about how creation in verse 22 he talks about how creation is groaning how creation it says suffers the pains of childbirth together until now he said what are you talking about pastor robbie what he's saying is that the creation the world even creation itself recognizes that things are not right this world is messed up it's not how it was created to operate even creation recognized that, but he says, but even us in verse 23, we also ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even child of God, as children of God, even us, it says, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. What the Bible's saying is that we recognize in this world that our expectation is not in this life, it's where? It's in the life to come. So we don't need to have unrealistic expectations. We are all going to face problems, even big ones sometimes. Secondly, well, I believe we're surprised many times because of that thing I just mentioned. We feel like we have a special exemption. We might say, you know, I, 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 I realize that bad things happen, but still in our minds we think to ourselves, but I shouldn't have to deal with this. <clears throat> Amen? I mean, we think to ourselves, haven't I been through enough already? Don't we say that? Why should I be dealing with this? Haven't I been? Shouldn't I get an exemption? Shouldn't I get a pass on this one? Or sometimes you'll even hear people say, look how I've tried to follow God. I've tried to do the right thing. I've tried to serve him. And still this happens in my life. We feel like that because we've given service to God, that that should give us an exemption. Like I said earlier, we are blessed tremendously by God. And because of that, because of walking with Him, because, because we serve Him, we do, we are able to miss out on a lot of unnecessary problems that we would have brought upon ourselves if sin had been in our lives. And praise the Lord, we've missed out those things. But the Bible says in Job chapter 14, verse 1, listen to this. Is this not true? It says, man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of trouble. <laughs> that kind of sounds like a good thing on the tombstone. I mean, he had a short life and there was a lot of problems. I mean, that, that kind of sounds like me. How about you? That's just the reality of life. And nobody gets an exemption. Number three, the reason I believe we're surprised many times is because the timing is just not very good. Amen. You know, if last year this had happened, we could have absorbed that expense, right? But why now? We're surprised many times because we weren't ready for it. We thought for sure that things were going to start going good again. And now we say, now this happens. This is a terrible time for something like this to happen. It surprises us. But I mean, really, if you think about it, when's it ever a good time? <laughs> I mean, when would it have been a good time for something like this to happen? Now, friends, what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying to us tonight from God's Word, we're not saying 
that we're to walk around with a fatalistic attitude like, oh boy, be ready because we got problems coming and it's just a transfer truck waiting to hit me, okay? That's not what we're saying, just walking around just, you know, dreary or waiting for the bad thing to happen. But what the Bible's saying is when they do come, it should not surprise us so much. They are going to happen to us in this life. We can't help but be taken back sometimes. Amen? We can't help but say, I was blindsided by that. I, I am shocked by that. But Jesus is challenging us. He's trying, to, he's trying to give us his instruction. You don't have to be so shocked by that. You don't have to be so blindsided by that. Realize realistically things like this are going to happen to everyone. So don't be surprised by your trials. But secondly, I believe he challenges in these verses not to resent them. You know, a lot of times, hard times can make us angry. That can make us bitter. We get very resentful at God and at other people. And the Bible says to us, child of God, don't let your trials take you down that road. In fact, what it says in these verses is, with God's help, you can experience the opposite. Now, friends, I'm still working on this, okay? This is the challenge of being your pastor. I'm trying to teach you things that I don't have a clue about sometimes, okay? So I'm still learning myself. But apparently, the Bible says that we can actually, in the midst of our trials, instead of resenting those things, we can actually rejoice in them. And y'all are like, I don't know about this one. (laughs) All right, all right, Pastor Robbie, I'll go with you a little while. Well, let me tell you what it's not saying. Some Christians have interpreted this teaching in God's Word to mean that we should just grin and bear it. We should just pretend like we're happy when we're not. How you doing? Great. Got that, you know, painted on smile, that plastic face. Oh, I'm great. Oh, yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. Just, just loving God. We put on a happy face. Listen, God has not called us to be hypocritical. God has not called us to be fake. But apparently, and like I said, I'm not there yet, but apparently it is possible in our trials, according to God's word, to experience great joy in the Lord. Even though I don't quite understand that, I need to realize that's what God's word teaches and I need to let him grow me in that. How about you? How can we possibly rejoice in our problems? Are you open to it? Are you open to it tonight? Let's look at God's word. Look at verse 13. He tells us how. He says, first of all, Actually, many times, struggles in our life bring us closer to Jesus. Let me look at verse 13 together with you. It says in verse 13, it says, But to the degree, inasmuch as you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Now, many times, we, I mean, you maybe you've heard this before, many times we talk about problems we think about the fact that that brings us closer to God. But here's how we usually think about that. It brings me closer to God in problems because I rely upon Him more, right? Okay? And sometimes I get self-sufficient. Sometimes I kind of think I can run life pretty decent. And then when a problem comes along, I say, Oh, okay, God, I forgot. All along, you were really in control. And many times in those problems, I, I realize how weak I am, and I depend upon Him, and I pray more, and I worship Him more. Amen? Isn't that true? Okay, so we realize that aspect, but that's not really what we're talking about here. That's not really what he's bringing out here. Yes, in that sense, that brings us closer to Jesus. But this is really talking about something else that I don't want you to miss. When Jesus died on the cross, 
Do you realize he died for everybody's sin? I read this week that people estimate, that uh, experts estimate that about 108 billion people have lived for all time on planet Earth. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I know right now it's, what, 7 billion, something like that? 7, maybe 8 billion, something like that. But they estimate that about total throughout history, about 108 billion. When Jesus died on the cross, if that's true, friends, do you know when he died on the cross, he took upon himself 108 billion people's wrongdoing. My punishment, your punishment, the choices that I've made, the consequences that I deserve, the eternal weight of judgment. Listen, friend, you don't really realize how saved you are until you realize how lost you've been. Amen? Do you realize tonight how much Jesus Christ has done for us? When he died on that cross, he took all of that pain, all of yours, what you are experiencing right now, He took that upon himself and everybody sitting next to you on your row, he took theirs that they're about to drown in and everybody in this room and all the other three services, he took all of that and everybody who's living right now and everybody who's ever lived, he took all of that upon himself. And even though I don't like problems in and of themselves, when I, listen, get a glimpse of this, when I'm going through a problem... When I'm going through pain or difficulty in my life, I am actually tasting just a little, a fraction of what Christ suffered for me on the cross. Isn't that breathtaking? The Apostle Paul talked about that in Philippians 3 verse 10. He said, I want to know I want to understand. I want to identify with him. I want to, I want to understand more the sufferings of Christ, what he paid for me. So here's, here's what trials do sometimes. Listen, anybody want to sign up for some problems? No, no. If you want to sign up, I'm not signing you up. Okay, let's don't be dumb. But when I'm going through a problem, it can draw me closer to the Lord because I can realize, Jesus, this hurts. This is hard. I don't like this. But oh my goodness, you mean you tasted this on the cross? Lord, I knew you loved me, and I love you because of what you've done for me, but I never knew you paid this much. You understand what I'm saying? They give me fellowship. That's the word that's used here, actually, in verse 13. But to the degree that you experience fellowship, experience the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. It can give you joy in your salvation that, This is how much my God and my Savior loves me. Secondly, he tells us that trials get us ready for Jesus' return. Look at the second part of verse 13. He says, but to the degree, inasmuch as you fellowship with the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Then he says in the second part of the verse, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. Now listen, sometimes words don't come out as strongly in English. Let me just kind of give you a little bit of the expanded version there. He says, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with actually the word that's used there for exultation. What are some of your other translations say? Tell me what they say. Exceeding joy, okay. Anybody else? Triumph, okay. All right, that exceeding joy is really trying to give some superlative to it because it is. It means leaping. Okay, that's what the word means. It means gushing. Okay, so I'm just like, 
Overjoyed. You know what that word? You know, overjoyed. I'm just, I think of beside myself. Amen. Okay, he says, listen, when you experience the fellowship of his suffering, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, when Jesus comes back one day, man, you're going to be shouting. You're going to be like, good, it's over. Amen. So if anything, I, time out, I don't want the problems, please. I'm not asking for more. Amen. But if I've got to go through it, it does bring some benefit to my life that I'm beginning to realize that, you know what, I can't wait till Jesus comes back. And on the day that he does, when I see my Savior, I'm going to be leaping, I'm going to be gushing over with joy. Because it's over. Hey, did you know one day it is going to be over? Did you know that? If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says victory is on its way. It could be today. It might be tomorrow. It may be later, but it is coming. That's good news. Amen. I can have joy. And number three, the Bible assures us that in that trial, God is close to you. Look at verse 14. He says, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, he actually gives a specific struggle that many of them were going through. And maybe you've gone through. You get made fun of. You get rejected. People put you down because you're a follower. It hurts, doesn't it? Doesn't it hurt when a family member says, you're such an idiot? That whole crutch, believing in God stuff. Or people at work are like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, like she's like Miss Church, you know, and everything. You know, you're just like, it hurts. He says, but if you suffer for the name of Christ, if you're reviled, you are blessed. That's the word that's used in the Beatitudes. Happy are you. You are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Now, listen, the enemy wants to tell you in tough times to ask this question. Where is God now? Isn't that true? But actually, the opposite is true. Rather than being close to you during your normal uh, living out of life and then during hard times deserting you, it is actually during your hard times that you can be most assured. Hey, when you go through a difficulty, you know who your real friends are, right? When you go through a difficulty, you know who really loves you and your family, right? Okay, you know what the Bible says? That's how Jesus is. Man, he gets really close. He gets really tight. The Spirit of God and His glory is giving us hope right there. And His glory, His victory rests upon you. He promises it to you right there. That's a source of joy, amen? I know God is with me. I know more than I know more than ever. I will not doubt him. I will not say, where is God? I will say, I may not see him, but I'm looking because I know he's around here somewhere. Amen. And then fourthly, we can rejoice because we're building spiritual muscle. Now, it's implied here, but it's clearly stated in some other passages. You can have joy in the midst of trial because you can know that God is going to use this to make me stronger. Friend, listen. Have confidence. I didn't say God might use this. I didn't say God could use this. I didn't say I hope God will use this. You need to have confidence as a child of God. You have victory. Amen? Begin to claim that victory. I am a child of God. And if God is allowing me to go through something, and we're going to talk here in just a minute, make sure it's not something you went into yourself, right? Make sure it wasn't a problem you caused yourself. And there's grace for that. There's help for that. 
But overall, let's just make sure we don't add more problems. All right, we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But if I'm not adding problems, if this is just where God's path has led me, I can say, you know what? This is tough. But I know that God's going to use this. Listen to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Great passage. It's not one that a lot of Christians like to read because we don't like what it says, but it's hard for us to understand what it's saying. But it says, Consider it all joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Those are tough words. Oh, yeah, I'm having a ball. How about you? (laughs) Okay, God is in the real world. He knows things are hard. So he's not saying ignore reality. Okay, whatever God's saying, he's not saying that. Do we understand that? He's not saying ignore reality, be naive, be dumb. God's not saying that. But apparently there is a bigger perspective that God's wanting to give us that we don't always see. You can consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that, having confidence. Remember I said just a moment ago, you can have confidence in trials. Even though your circumstances don't lean towards that, God's word promises, I can have confidence. So guess what? I need to have confidence. Knowing that the testing of your faith, is it being tested? Isn't it? Hey, Robbie, are you going to trust God? It's being tested, isn't it? How much? How Do I really trust the Lord? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Friends, I'm going to tell you what. I am just now learning this in my life. And I think that's why many times you see people who, who, who have lived more life have a lot of wisdom because they see some things that maybe when we're younger we don't see. But you know what? You know what I've seen? You can't go wrong following Jesus. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I've struggled at times. Should I keep on this path? I don't know if I want to do this. Anybody ever feel like that? I don't know if I want to do this anymore. This is hard. Do you ever cry? Do you ever whine? Do you want to ever sit down or stop? But I've just found every time when I get the other side, I'm glad that Jesus was leading me through it. And I say, oh, wow, oh, wow, I'm stronger, or I've learned so. He says it's produced endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That is awesome. What it's saying is the more God allows your faith to be refined by fire, that's another way the Bible puts it, just like metal being put in a fire and all the impurities rising to the top and God wipes those impurities off and your, your gold, your silver is getting more and more pure. It's getting more and more strong. Just like that, the more that God is able to refine your faith, the more useful, the more opportunity that God can use your life to minister to others. Now listen, I've said it several times. I want to make it clear. Nobody wants problems. You ought to say Amen. Just in case the Lord was wondering, let him know. Lord, I'm not looking. Even Jesus in the gospel said what? If it is possible, let this cup pass. Okay? In Hebrews chapter 2, 12, verse 2, it says, He endured the cross, despising the shame. Jesus was not just, you know, wanting to go through this. So nobody likes problems, but if you have to go through them, you can be confident, friend. They are not arbitrary. They are not vindictive by God. God has a plan right down Romans 8, verse 28. We can be confident. We know that God is working all things together for the good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. God, I love you, and I think I'm on your path. I'm trying to do your will. Show me if I'm wrong. But Lord, I'm trying to do your will so I can be confident. 
God is going to do something good with this. Amen? Think about this. I, want you, I, I thought about this this week. Remember that song, I Refuse, by Josh Wilson? Remember we, we had that a few weeks ago? I love that song. And he says, listen, I can't do everything, but I refuse to do nothing. I love that. I love that. He, said, he looked around at some floods in Nashville, Tennessee, where he lived, and he said he just wanted to pray about it because he knew praying about it was easier than doing something. So he just prayed about it. God just prayed that he'd send, send those people some help and that they'd you know, recover their homes and everything. And then God spoke to them. He had a real challenge, a real crisis of his faith where God said, Josh, I want you to do something about it. Okay? And I thought about it. I was talking to somebody about that this week. I said, you know what? Josh Wilson had a real encounter with God where God challenged him. And it, and it might have been a little bit of an oomph where, where he was convicted and God spoke to his heart and God broke his heart. But you know what? And Josh Wilson might have sort of fought that while he's going through it. It's uncomfortable sometimes when God's working in our life, isn't it? But don't miss this. Because God took Josh Wilson through a little bit of a crisis of faith in his own life, he sat down and wrote a song. And because he wrote that song, I hear it on the radio. And because uh, we hear it on the radio... We heard about it here at New Hope. And because we heard about it, we, we showed it to you guys. And you heard about it. And God has inspired some of you on days that you wanted to give up to keep going and to not just sit around and do nothing, but to do something. Amen? Now, I think about that, and I say, you know what? Sometimes, like when I'm Josh Wilson and God's challenging me or I'm struggling and God's calling me to do something, I don't know what I do it, or, or there's some difficulty in my life. Sometimes I'm wiggling, I'm squirming because it's all revolving around who? Me. I don't like this. I'm not comfortable. But I need to realize that God has a plan and that God might be doing something in my life so that someone else can be drawn to Him. In fact, uh, let me read to you some verses out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says uh, in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Listen, who comforts us in all our affliction. Amen so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any, every affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Somebody said you can't give people what you don't have. You can't share what you haven't experienced, right? And so sometimes we need to realize that God allows us to go through difficulty in our life so that we can identify with others and we can enter into their pain and we can minister to them and we can encourage them and we can say, God help me and he can help you too. And I can say that because I've been there where you are and God got me through. Friend, don't look for problems. <laughs> but when they come, you can be to some degree excited, not defeated. Because your problems many times are going to bring you closer to God. They're going to help you realize what Jesus paid for you. Your problems are going to get you more prepared, more excited about Him coming back one day. Your problems are going to help you be more sure than ever before. God does not desert His people. So if I'm going through difficulty, if anything, He's drawing closer to me. Finally, we're learning. You don't have to be defeated. You can be excited because you can know that God is going to use this somehow for His glory. He's going to work through your life to touch someone else. Now, as Peter wraps that up, he says in verse 15, what I just got through saying just a moment ago, he said in verse 15, now make sure, it's kind of a parenthesis here, okay? We have problems, we have difficulty, trust God through it, but make sure that none of you suffers because you're a murderer 
or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. Actually, that word means someone who oversees the affairs of others, and it's not a compliment. It's saying if you're a nosy busybody, that gets you in trouble sometimes, right? Okay, so he says, all right, now I'm giving you some hope. I'm giving you some encouragement if you're going through difficulty, but just make sure you didn't bring it on yourself. And there's other passages in God's Word where we can talk about what to do in that case. But tonight we're not really dealing with that. Verses 17 and 18, he gives us kind of the bigger picture reality. Look at what he says. But if anyone, well, he finishes that. If anyone suffers as a Christian, there's where the confidence comes in. But in verse 17 is the bigger picture. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Friend, we need to realize God is doing a purifying work in this world. God is bringing it to a close one day. Do you know that? All the garbage, all the junk. He's going he's to bring all that to a close. He's going to finish all that up. And instead of us as his people waiting for other people to get on the same page as God, wouldn't you think that God's people would be the first people that ought to get on the same page as God? The church, and you guys have heard me share this before, it, it, it bothers me to see so many times the church is pointing the finger at the world and saying, why aren't you following God? And I think Lord's probably saying to us, why aren't y'all following me? And then if y'all were following me, then maybe some others would be drawn to me as well. The Bible says, instead of pointing our finger at other people, we ought to say, God, do a work in me. Speak to me. And sometimes it takes trials for us to get to that point, doesn't it? In verse 19, he finishes that up with some encouragement. He says, therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God there's where we said, I'm just walking with God, and this is just the path that I'm on, and for whatever reason, I can't understand it all. This is where it's led. This is the struggle I'm going through. It says, for those who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls <clears throat> to a faithful creator. Is he faithful to you, friend? Has he been good to you? Can he be trusted? Yes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Actually, that can be translated the valley of deep shadows. Scary, isn't it? When you're going through the deep shadows. Even though I walk through the valley of deep shadows, I will entrust myself to a faithful creator because no matter how deep this ditch is, no matter how dark it is, I know somewhere down the road I'm going to start feeling it going up. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I've told you all before. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can't help but win. It may not be right now, you see it. It's coming. You are victorious when you entrust your life to Him. He is worthy. He is faithful is what this passage is saying. You know, I share with you guys that preaching through, teaching through a book like 1 Peter is difficult because I want to be very careful that I don't oversimplify problems. That I don't make it seem like, oh, yeah, guys, like, yeah, you ought to get over that. That is not what the Lord's saying. He acknowledges the pain. In fact, he knew how serious it was. He knew the only way for it to be dealt with was for his son to give his life. He's very serious about your struggle. And we're going to learn just a few verses over that you can entrust your life to him. You can cast your burdens on him because he cares for you. But tonight, maybe God's giving you a different perspective. Instead of bowing up, instead of fighting, would you just trust God tonight? That He is faithful. He can be trusted. 
I can't see any good reason for this. I would prefer not to have it, Lord. I'd ask you to take it away, please. But if not, not my will but yours. I'll trust you. And God, I can't wait to see what a good guy's going to do. Amen. Would you bow with me for just a moment as we think about that? Somebody here tonight, and you're going through something that is just almost unbearable. And you don't even know where to start. Would you just come to the Lord tonight? If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, that's where it starts. That's the birthday. That's the birthplace. That's where He comes and forgives you and reconciles you with Himself. And He starts a relationship with you that gives you the power to learn to overcome with His help the battles of this life. But it starts right there. And some of us are fighting that. We, we want to do it by ourselves. We want to prove that I, I'm, I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. I can do this by myself. You know what, friends? We need a Savior. And He's offering Himself to you tonight. Would you trust Him? Would you call upon Him? Would you just do like two people have done this week after the service last week at 9 and, and then someone uh, one night this week a young mom gave her life to Jesus. Maybe tonight's your night. Dear Jesus, please save me. Please come into my life and forgive me. Take over my life and help me, God. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I need you. I need a Savior. Many of us have put our trust in Jesus, but then life comes along and, and some of that joy and some of that enthusiasm and Excitement it, it, over time it, it draws us away sometimes. And maybe you're not as close to the Lord as you want to be tonight. Would you just tell him that, God? I'm going through this trial, but I'm not as close as I need to be. God, bring me back. Lord, help me. Heavenly Father, tonight I thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you recognize that life is hard and that you paid the price, Jesus, so that we could have victory one day over all that we struggle with. But we're going to have to trust you, so help us to do that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand together with me as Pastor Jeff's going to lead us in a closing song. For those that are our guests, let me just kind of uh, encourage you tonight. We're not going to make anybody stand up or say anything you don't want to or point anybody out. It's just an opportunity for you to spend some time with God. So don't take this lightly. Don't, don't be you know, getting ready to go or thinking about what you're doing next. Ask God, Lord, why am I here tonight? What is it you're wanting to say to my heart? And respond to Him. And you can do that just you and Him, just on your own. Or if you want to talk with somebody, I'm available down front. I'd love to pray with you. If you need to make a decision, taking a step in your walk with the Lord to be baptized maybe like the men that are going to be baptized this weekend, or, or maybe you need to start by accepting Christ or becoming a member of our church family, partnering together with a family that can support you or serving in some way. I don't know what it might be. Maybe there's some sin in your life tonight and God's speaking to you about that. Hey, there's enough problems in life without adding some more. Amen. So let's deal with that. Let God deal with it tonight.